Possession crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. And there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. What I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Hello, welcome to the RTE GA podcast. Mikey Stafford here previewing the uh, TG Car All Ireland Senior Football Final between All Ireland Champions Meath and Kerry. And I've been joined by All Ireland winner herself, formerly of Dublin, Denise Masterson, and Emma Duffy of the 42.e. How are you doing? Great, thanks, Mikey. Good stuff. Uh, Denise, are, are we. Um, we're witnessing a new kind of democratic era here in, in women's football. You know, last year we had a, a semi-novel All-Ireland final pairing at Dublin and Meath where everybody thought Dublin were going to go on and, and, and complete an historic run and obviously they were stopped short. So now Meath are back in the final, but they're joined by Kerry who haven't been in the final in nearly 10 years. And, you know, Dublin, your own Dublin and Cork kind of fell by the wayside reasonably early enough you know Mayo resurgent Armagh Donegal it does seem that we've finally got to the point with women's football where you're not just talking about a monopoly or a duopoly definitely not and I think um I think like Amy and Murray alluded to during the week I think me can take great credit from the fact that I think they have made other teams realize that the chase and park weren't really that too far behind maybe um, I mean, there were a lot of tight games this year. I don't know if anyone maybe predicted Kerry, Bar Kerry themselves would make it to the All-Ireland final this year. There were a lot of other people who I thought might have been good contenders, you know. I think Armagh are coming very strong. Um, a few shock results, I suppose, in the quarterfinals with all the provincial winners going out, you know, which just shows you how close it is. I mean, teams that had been beaten in the provincial finals went on to win All-Ireland quarterfinals. So you can just see how, how much more together the pack is. Um, and makes for much more exciting games and much better, I suppose, the spectacle for ladies football. Um, I mean, great credit to the Cork and the Dublin team that I suppose really helped push that far. But I think the standard of ladies football, I don't think it's that those two teams have fallen back. I really think it's a case that the standard of ladies football is really driving forward and that there were some super performances from all teams this year in the championship. Yeah, um, Emma, it does seem that we're, we're, we are kind of reaching some kind of a critical mass where, you know, we're actually kind of talking about the teams. We're talking about the players. We're talking about the the tactics. You know, obviously Meade's kind of approach last year is 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 kind of obviously very well spoken about. But obviously now we've got Kerry kind of, and how we'll get onto that and kind of contrast it. But we've kind of got past the point of talking about, oh, wouldn't it be great if people came to the matches or why does nobody watch it? Yada yada. It does. Not. I don't mean to sound in any way condescending for someone who doesn't cover it all the time. I won't pretend that I do, but it does seem to me now that we now have fully formed teams and we have personalities and we have managers, and but and now we're throwing into that as we just as Denise just says a proper competition. It, it does seem Gaelic football is in a good place. Yeah, I do think there has been a notable shift over the last few years. Like even since I kind of started working in, in the field in twenty sixteen or so. I've seen huge improvements since then, which is great, but there's always still scope for more. Like I think just in women's sport in general, it kind of is a lot done, a lot more to do. That's always the case, whether it be with coverage, with standards, with, you know, just little tweaks and changes that we can make. And, but yeah, as you say, it's fantastic to be here on All-Ireland Final Week and, and to be talking about the teams, the tactical battle, the matchups, um, which we see so regularly in the men's game, but probably not so much in the women's game but yeah that's really exciting and um, and as you say 
there's not just as much of an emphasis on how much the crowd is there going to be there or how much of a crowd will there be there will the record be broken isn't it great to see two teams playing on the biggest stage like you know it's about much more than that now and look it's only it's only right like we see the work that the players put in that management teams put in like it's come on ridiculous amounts in recent seasons even since you finished up I'd say Denise you're probably much more well versed to speak on it than I am but just the commitment levels now and the dedication and the training has just gone through the roof and and look it's it's just it's right that that's what we're talking about coming into this weekend and it's really exciting it should be a fantastic battle like you say a new look final I think the first time since 2002 we won't have Dublin or Cork there and um, much to Denise's uh, <laughs> sadness I guess but it is, it is great for the game um, and I do think what Mead did last year is exactly what it needed it shook things up and you know it really proved to to every team and every player out there not just in ladies football but in any sport in the country that anything can happen on any given day yeah and there are parallels in these as well that they're not so precise as to be spooky but you're talking about Mead won a division two title Kerry won a division two title you know Mead were promoted from uh, from intermediate Kerry survived uh, an, a relegation playoff so if any team has been inspired by by me this year, you'd have to say Kerry, who nobody doubted the footballers. They they had, you know, some of the most talented forwards in the country. It just seemed that maybe there was a, a belief deficit there, or maybe there was just there was like, you know, Dublin and Cork, their neighbours just loomed so large that it was hard for them to kinda of, to shake the monkey off their back. But now they've me they've kind of shattered the ceiling and it now seems that anything goes. Yeah, I know the contrast isn't quite the same in terms of Meath were absolutely annihilated by Cork, I suppose, in 2015 and came up through Division 3, Division 2, Division 1, and then obviously with their three intermediate All-Ireland final appearances. But definitely, I think what it does show you is how close those top teams maybe in Division 2 are to the Division 1 teams. I mean, Kerry lost to Meath last year and funnily enough, I think Meath would have been more underdogs in that Division 2 final last year, whereas as Kerry probably exactly the same as Meath would have been the underdogs against Armagh this year, So, which is also another interesting, I suppose, comparison. But um, I mean, Kerry were unlucky, I suppose, that they came up against possibly with Dublin and Cork, you know, being the best two ladies football teams of the past, like we said what is it, 12, 14 years, 15 years maybe, you know, and uh, so Kerry always had that struggle in terms of Munster, um, you know, which I'm sure did a lot of damage to confidence in teams as well when they were being hockeyed by that team, you know, regularly down there. Um, you could also say it has a, some of them very battle-hardened because, like, you know, some of them have been around for those days as well, which I think will stand to them in Crow Park on Sunday, but um, definitely I think me did put down a marker that you know, just winning a Division 2 title. I mean, they didn't just go after an All-Ireland last year. Here they are again in the final, which, you know, is an achievement in itself, really, you know, because you can have that kind of yo-yo up and down effect maybe from junior to intermediate. And sometimes it can happen from intermediate to senior. So, you know, all credit is due to me. Then they might have played their best football this season, but here they are in an All-Ireland final backing up what they did last year. And 
definitely it would give, like you said, Emma, like all sorts of sports and teams great hope in terms of, you know. And I also think there's another parallel in terms of Kerry's kind of quietly been coming in. They've been building for three years with this management team. You know, I think that Mead were doing a lot of rebuilding at that intermediate level. And you could probably say the same for Kerry in terms of their Division Two league performances and that, you know, and I think that they're a very together unit that kind of have been under the radar and possibly not as analysed. You know, I think Mick Bowen alluded to that last year when Dublin were coming up against me. They were a little bit of an unknown, you know, and I suppose the same could be said for Kerry. I mean, I think everyone has seen the performances they've put in this season, but they weren't a team that people would have been overanalyzed. And, and I suppose we talk about, you were saying as well, in, in terms of styles of play and that ladies football is probably really getting its own personality. Like I actually thoroughly enjoyed that people were kind of getting all het up about the defensive football of Mead and Donegal. I even think that we're at that stage, that it's becoming so <laughs> tactical and people were actually annoyed, like, and it was so defensive and it was going to be such a poor semi-final. You know, that, but Kerry, on the other hand, I don't know how you would analyse them in that regard because their style of play is very much a, it's a lovely style of football to watch, but tactically it wouldn't be like the way Mead were and they've been analysed now this year. But um, yeah, definitely a lot of strong parallels, I suppose, to draw between Kerry and Mead heading into this year's All-Ireland Final. Yeah, um, Emma, they're, they're, they, they're still defensive and they're still, you know, they, they get poor old, old Monaghan to a single point in their first game this year. But me don't seem to kind of be to be clicking in the same way as it did last year certainly in attack um you know it, it, it took emma duggan kind of scoring three points very late on for them to even you know to, to reach this stage and you look at their scoring totals thus far this year even against poor old monaghan i think they only scored 113 you know in their first game they're they're they never ran right that's not their style of play obviously they're more built on defensive stability but Eamon Murray probably has to be a little bit worried coming into this final and kind of hoping that his big guns up front click. Yeah, I think that's definitely hugely important for Sunday. Like, you need your Emma Duggins, you need your Stacey Grimes, Vicky Walls firing off all cylinders. And I don't have any doubt that they won't be. Um, but, you know, it's something that Eamon Murray said after the semi final. He thinks that they've kind of timed their run to perfection, which is maybe a scary thought coming into Sunday. Um, and that's what all the great teams do, don't they? They just find a way to win. And Mead did that. Like we saw the quarterfinal against Galway, obviously Emma Duggan with that last gas point. The semi-final, as you say, Duggan reeled off three down the home straight. And, you know, that's what great teams do. They eke it out, they find a way. And I think, I suppose, their big match experience and their know-how just shun through down the home straight. And I can see that probably happening again on Sunday. Now, that's not to say that Kerry, like Kerry are a fantastic team too. I watched them pretty closely this year. Like you say, the attacking football. But then, as Denise said, the parallels to last year, maybe there is that little bit of an unknown quantity around them where they haven't just been put under the spotlight just as much, which is a really nice way to be going into an All-Ireland final, isn't it? Like that's, yeah. that's where everyone wants to be. People want to be underdogs because we've seen so many examples through the years of what can happen. Maybe not in ladies football until last year but maybe in other sports. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's going to be a really fascinating game on Sunday. Um, but I do think that me, I would probably agree with what Eamon Murray has said, that maybe they have timed their run to perfection, but maybe like we won't know until Sunday, until that ball is thrown in, and, and probably not until the second half when it really comes down to crunch time. Yeah, it's the holy grail, Denise, isn't it? T timing a run like pe right. People would say the Limerick hurlers did it perfection this year, ignored the league and just got better and better. It is, it's a little bit of a risky game, though, at the same time, isn't it? To hope that 
no, nobody's played their best yet, but for the biggest game in front of the biggest crowd on the biggest day, it's all going to click. Yeah, and, you know, it's gas, because I, I feel they look a little bit tired this year, to be honest. Like, you know, and some of those girls had a very long club season then as well with Dunboyne and that, and I actually think they look a bit tired. And I was wondering to myself, are they really, have they really got this nailed down? And I mean, God, if they have. Ivers has done an amazing job because you know if it's times that much to perfection because they still have definitely not hit the heights of last year you know and I don't know if a bit more of that as well is you know the attention Vicky Wall and Emma Duggan are getting in games now it's huge and, and they haven't played their best football but for me I suppose then it's an even bigger sign of champions that if, if it's not that the run is necessarily time to perfection, it's that they're actually gritting out results and even more so than Emma Duggan's last ditch efforts to win those quarterfinals and the semifinals, they held the ball in the semifinal out of their back line, you know, switched across the far side of the pitch and the composure, I, I was actually blown away with it in Crow Park and I actually said to myself now, they're worthy winners of this game based on this alone because the composure that the back line had you know, they were under so much pressure. It's like Donegal had smelled blood and they went up the other end and they got a score. And I really felt that that for me was something that they've developed even further. I mean, I know they did it against Cork last year in a semi-final as well. They have this never say die attitude until the final whistle. But I just thought there was a little bit more about it. It was done with a little bit more class with the grit maybe this year. And I was really impressed with it. So I don't know. It remains to be seen until Sunday whether or not they've timed this run to perfection or you know, if they've actually just gritted out some results based on the confidence and the way that the team play together, you know, and there's probably a few unsung heroes in that team as well. Like for me, Neville Sullivan, and I know people are talking about Stacey Grimes as well as being phenomenal, but I feel Neville Sullivan always goes under the radar. And I think in these games as well, she's been really big for me. Like, I mean, they have such quality in all their players. And I suppose the fact that Vicky and Emma are getting all the attention, it'll be really up to them, I suppose, on Sunday. But, um, uh, like we said, it remains to be seen how time to perfection this uh, this run is. And then in saying that, when we won the All-Ireland in 2010, you know, we just got over the line in the quarterfinal against Clare. And then, you know, probably Rob Leach in the semi-final, like we just gritted out results. And then we went on and it was time to perfection beat Tyrone. So, uh, you know, maybe me have done that. And if they have, it'll be hats off on Sunday because it'll be some timing. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Um Emma, the, so the other the other theory on it is that teams have you know Mead came with something that nobody had seen last year, and you know they are getting a chance to look at it now and analyze. And it was interesting to hear Galway's uh, Nicola Ward talking after they'd been beaten, but after going so close, and she said, "Oh yeah, we we we, we you know we looked at how we could possibly beat this Mead defensive structure." And we said, "Whatever you do, don't carry the ball into contact and and try play with width." And that's how to beat Mead. So, you know, if Galway have figured it out and are saying it in the national media, you can be pretty sure Kerry have looked at it as well. Yeah, exactly. And look, like Declan Quill and Dara Long, they're two really astute guys. Like, they've done a phenomenal job with this Kerry team. Like, I think people maybe forget what had gone on in previous seasons down in Kerry. Like, there was a lot of turbulence. I remember 2018, um, they didn't win a single game of the league. They got docked points actually for the one game they did win for fielding an ineligible player. They got relegated to Division Two. There was a lot of off-field issues, changes in management. So, in fairness to Quill and Long, they've come in and really steadied the ship. And even just speaking to them, like you know, they're really ambitious guys. Uh, they've put in serious, serious work, and they've instilled this belief in the Kerry team that you know, they can go and win the All-Ireland. Like, they, they told them all to clear their calendars for, for the date of the All-Ireland final at the start of the year with 
girls looking back at them like they'd ten heads. So you can you can put your bet your bottom dollar on it that they have studied absolutely everything we do and they've watched tape and they've prepared their team exactly for how they want them to play on Sunday. And yeah, as Nicola said, I was I was on that interview and she spoke about not bringing the ball into the tackle because they'll tear you to shreds if you do that and to just try and use as much as much width in your game as possible. Um, but look, it, it's easy said. Um, it's not just quite as easily done, particularly not in an All-Ireland final. Um, but I'm, I'm really interested to see what Kerry are going to bring to the table like because, as we say, they do play that nice brand of attacking football. Will they change anything they do to try and counter Meads? Because I think the last day of the semi-final, Donegal really tried to kind of mirror Meads' system and, you know, try to nullify them by playing pretty much very similarly to how they play. And I don't know if, if that works, but we obviously know that Donegal are a much more defensive team than probably this Perry team are. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it does pan out on Sunday. I think one thing as well with this Kerry team, a lot of people are speaking with them, kind of like their younger talents and their rising stars, but they are a young team with no fear. But there's a lot of experience right down the spine of the team too. Like you have Emma Sherwood, well, Emma Costello now, and you have Coach Lynch, Lawrence Cannon in midfield, and obviously Louise Neumerhertig, who I don't know how we've gotten so long to this podcast without mentioning her just yet. <laughs> But um, like those girls, you know, their experience is absolutely priceless. You've Anna Galvin, you've Louise Galvin on the bench too. Like girls that have been there and done it, particularly maybe not in All Ireland finals or I suppose in terms of championship, but they've done quite a lot in their careers. And you know, they'll they'll be in a in a, in a nice place heading into Sunday. I think um, excitement will certainly be building them. A bit. Yeah, you, you mentioned her now. Don't worry, I wasn't. I wasn't going to forget about her <laughs> at, um, at all. Um, I wouldn't quite call it rolling back the years. She's not that old, but she's she's having a season to remember. Louise Neymar Hurtig. I suppose Denise, the temptation is when you're carrying, you do have kind of that attacking talent, and and you know some of it's coming from their half back line as well. That they are quite a free scoring team. The temptation is, you know, to kind of take the, the the approach that the Kildare men stupidly took against the Dublin men in the Leinster final this year and try and try and play try and say you'll take him in a shootout obviously me they aren't quite that having got that attacking flair but at the same time he you know Kerry could throw the kitchen sink at Meath Meath could absorb it and then Kerry might be thinking oh what now yeah and it's interesting talking about Donegal in the last game how they nearly tried to match them but I think what Kerry have gone for them is they would have a much better conversion rate and even though Donegal did match them I think Donegal created something like 20 chances and only maybe converted eight or nine of them and I don't think that will happen with Kerry on Sunday you know so look I don't think Kerry are going to go ultra defensively but to add to that really experienced fine Emma like I would throw in there like I just think she's been like phenomenal this year in um, full back Kaylee Cronin you know I think like as you like how she marshals that back line and her skill on the ball you know like it, she could play anywhere on the pitch you know and she's such a you know such got a strong presence on the pitch and I was actually in Crow Park listening to her like her talking on the back line so I think she's going to be key for Kerry in terms of that Um, like no, I don't think, I think they'd be very naive to go with them, but certainly with the kicking talent that they have on their team, Kerry, um, 
you would be certainly trying to hit Mead on the break. You know, I, 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 and I suppose where I feel Mead have got a little bit slower this year is maybe transitioning from that like blanket defence. I don't think they're exploding up the pitch. Maybe they did like last year. It was just a joy to watch them. Whereas I feel it's a little bit more laboured, and maybe that's because teams are more aware of what they're doing. But on the flip side of that, I think if Kerry do get any turnovers or breaks, I think they need to be looking up and hitting long ball, and they're all capable of doing that. I mean, um, Neve Carmody, like she has been phenomenal for Kerry this year in terms of spraying the ball and her vision and I think if Kerry can it's not going to work every time but I think you know Kerry have been scoring goals I think they've scored 13 goals so far in the championship 13 in four games yeah you know so like if Kerry can catch me on the break and, and me they aren't looking to score goals because their style of play isn't really looking to get goals so even if, if Kerry could hit them do a Kildare-esque on it you know for a five minute you know take that by the horns at some stage during the game and if they were to get a couple of goals I think it would put me a little bit more on the back foot and I think maybe that's the the potential I see within the Kerry team for going at like I would be definitely trying to create a couple of goal opportunities if I were Kerry to go at them to make me maybe have to come out of that defensive blanket a little bit but you know me they're so structured in that blanket but I actually feel this year it's nearly a little bit more structured or they're just a little bit more tired or slow in the transition then into attack and I think that that's what's making the, the wins more difficult for them this year it seems to be very laboured coming out of their back line um, and maybe that's again because one of their main ball carriers and Vicky Wall has been so well marshalled everyone they come up against so I mean there's definitely chinks in the armour there that Kerry can expose and look that's not taken away from me than their style of play but you know if you were Kerry it would certainly not be going out throwing caution to the wind but I would certainly be trying to penetrate that defence early and maybe get a goal or two to put Mead on the back foot. Yeah. Emma, like Mead, are, they're all about the, the collective in, in terms of defence, but would you think Eamon Murray would be would be looking at someone to kind of man-mark Louise Nimmer-Hertig and, and possibly Chief Rocher, who would probably be, you know, kind of the two main, main threats in full forward, I mean, half forward line? Is that kind of what Mead would do? Or are they more just about a kind of a zonal defence, a kind of flooding the area and stopping the ball from getting there in the first place? Yeah, I think, I suppose in the past, they probably have been more about that zonal defence, flooding the area, just surrounding the D, the scoring zone. And it's something that we've seen so many teams in Ladies football, even just in the club game, do uh, do recently. It's obviously so, so important. But I think Mead probably brought that to another level maybe last year. Um, but yeah, like when you have talents like New, Louise Newerhertig who can score from, shoot from anywhere, like she really can, you do need to have extra attention on those players. So yeah, I think maybe a man-marking job might be in order there. Um, like, I, I don't know, Denise, who who do you think you'd, who would you throw on, on Louise or, um, or on Shifra maybe either? Possibly Katie New. I thought when Katie New did a man-marking job against Amy Macken, who I just think is also you know in terms of skill level and you know for me up there with Louise and we're here to, in terms of her skill level I thought Katie New did a super job on her last year uh, when she took her I think she's a very tight man marker it's whether or not Meads choose to do that um, another person for me in that carry forward line you know that could you know you don't want people running with the ball but if anyone was to run with the ball I think Danielle O'Leary for Kerry has been so impressive it's a different type of taking a player on. And I think she might be key for Kerry as well in terms of just breaking that first tackle maybe if it's on. But again, that'll depend on early ball getting into her. But I do agree. I think Mead's more 
they don't necessarily go with the man to man. It's all about that blanket defense. But if they were putting someone to give special attention on Louise Maria Hurtig, I mean, Mary Kate Lynch could do it either, but I, I think it could be Katie New. Yeah, she's a terrier, isn't she? Yeah. She is. Yeah, yeah. As you mentioned, Danielle O'Leary, I think we have to we have to touch on her her league final appearance. Yeah. Off the bench and just she completely swung the game in Kerry's yeah. favour. Like she, and like that, we we knew a little bit about her, but she hadn't really announced herself, I guess, on the national stage until that point. And yeah, fantastic player, really physical as well, and just as you say those driving runs with the ball and obviously her accuracy before the post she could have a big day because I think you know she was probably held a little bit quieter in the semi-final and that's something that you know we've seen in the last few weeks even in the men's game Shane Walsh you know had a quiet enough quarter-final quiet enough semi-final exploded in the final so there's an opportunity there for for a player to do that and Danielle O'Leary could certainly be that person for Kerry. Mm. Denise, uh, at the other end of the field, again, Kerry will have their, their hands full, obviously, and, you know, Emma Duggan, Vicky Wall and um, Stacey Grimes, who tend to grab a lot of the headlines. I'm kind of interested to, to get your assessment on, on how Kelsey Nesbitt has, has been this year, because obviously she was seen as a huge loss last year. She was out injured and her coming in this year was kind of be like, how's anyone going to stop me when they, you know, they add in? The, the the forward who had the most potential before she was injured she's had she's had her good days but like she hasn't quite perhaps lit up the championship as we might have expected is that down to just the fact that maybe Meath haven't clicked or do you think maybe the kind of the year out has impacted her personally yeah I definitely think the year out has probably impacted and it wasn't just a year out it was the particular year out mm. you know yeah when, it had to had to be a killer yeah, you know, and those type of wins really galvanise a team and when it's working like that, it's very hard to break back into it. And, you know, also Bridgetta Lynch is probably, you know, not getting into that starting forward line as much. And um, I suppose that brings us to the substitutions as well in terms of, you know, Meads tend to use those same subs maybe to come in and out to, you know, Neve Gallagher would be another one where they, they rotate those few forwards and they'll bring them in maybe towards the, you know, I don't know, the, the start of the fourth quarter, so to speak, if we're allowed to talk about quarters now, water breaks <laughs> are gone. But um, yeah, you know, like I think a year out is always going to, you know, make it hard for a player to come back in. But I think coming in on the back of where that needs team were after that All-Ireland win and how impressive their forward line were and all the work that they've done. And, you know, no matter how much you're training or, you know, going hard to train and there's nothing like those games. And Mead had such a run of really impressive games last season. And I suppose even the wins that we're talking about this year when you're finding them out, if you're not on the pitch, it, it is harder to get up to the pace of them. And I do think it was just an unfortunate year she was out. And also it's the quality of the girls that are there. You know, you're not just going to come back and replace those girls without really, really impressing, I suppose. Hmm. Um, it's it's impossible not to mention it really, Emma, the, the kind of... the. The shadow makes it sound a bit dramatic, but like there, there is the AFLW kind of element here, not for Kerry, but 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 for me, then, you know, like Vicky Wall is just like she's the heartbeat of this team. You'd have to say she was the face of the All-Ireland victory. You could say she's like the powerhouse, you know, she's just like she's as Denise mentioned, she's kind of the, the kind of the key to the, the way they play in the, the fast transition. You know, it's unlikely she's going to play for me next year. It's unknown at this stage, but, you know, and herself and midfielder Olda Lally, you know, they're getting a bit of a dispensation from their clubs to in Australia to kind of come out and start pre-season a bit later. But 
it must be very hard for like he says he's that's tomorrow's problem i think was his line about it but it is tough knowing that you know your your star player is potentially playing her last game for the county for a while but again it's all up in the air because we don't really know how these year-long contracts in the aflw are going to be structured yet and whether there will be an opportunity for people to come back and play for their counties it's it it, it is an, an uncertain time for for women's football in general but particularly this week pointedly i would say for me yeah definitely and it's it's I suppose difficult to ignore in the narrative it is all it is all part of, of the game on Sunday probably like you say because the fact that Vicky Wall and Orla Lally are heading from me and it's something that's kind of been I suppose highlighted in the past few weeks as well I know I was on a call with Emma Duggan a few weeks back and she was asked you know is this kind of last chance saloon for this group to go and do it again and um, would it be the perfect send-off and she was adamant that it wasn't and um, that you know, she hopes to see them back in the meet jersey. It would be obviously a nice way to, to send them on their way. But I suppose it, it's been it's been a kind of weird this week. I know Eamon Murray spoke about the fact that the backroom team are breaking up and his future is a little bit uncertain too. And he said he wouldn't tell anyone what he was doing until after the game. Um, but like I suppose that's that's the way Murray goes on. Like he's he's a character. <laughs> <laughs> but there is that shadow, I suppose as you say, a little bit dramatic, but maybe that is hanging over me. I know management say things to the media and players say things to the media and they could be saying something completely different within their own group. And I'd imagine, you know, they, they won't be getting too carried away about any of that. Their focus will be fully on the job at hand. But yeah, that definitely is a narrative coming into this weekend. And as you say, just the wider the wider picture, the AFLW, um, it is probably the biggest issue facing the ladies' football, the game of ladies' football at the minute. It's, it's hard to, I suppose, to ignore it when the numbers are getting so big. I think it's 21 players signed on for the new season. In the past, it was okay because I suppose there was that best of both worlds um, where players could go to Australia and play AFLW from December, January until April or so, come home and then into the championship. So we had our biggest names on the biggest stages for the biggest games. But, you know, obviously this summer we saw the vast majority of the, the contingents that played AFLW last year didn't play for the counties this year. I suppose Mayo were certainly hit hard with Sarah Rowe, Megan Grace Kelly, Aileen Gilroy, Rachel Kearns. I know she was injured and she had intended to play, to play football, but, you know, that's that's four or five big, big names that we don't have in the championship, which is which is tough. And it's something that I suppose Declan Quill spoke about at the, the media day on Tuesday that people, I suppose, all week have been speaking about David Clifford and Shane Walsh, the biggest, name, the biggest names in the men's game, lighting up the All-Ireland final. And, you know, it could be a case in the future where we don't have Emma Duggan, we don't have Louise Newerherty there to light up. Um, the women's game, just like Vicky Wall and Orla Lally, most likely will not be there next year. Yeah, you'd hope, Denise, that this, as we mentioned at the start, the kind of the kind of broadening of the top tier of Gaelic football, of women's football, will mean that it has a similar impact as it does in the men's game, which is you know, top counties. You know, they they lose a young prospect, they lose a minor or an under twenty who was go, like Mark O'Connor and Kerry was going to be the next big thing. And you know, Kerry still win in All Ireland in twenty twenty two. The world keeps spinning, but then on the other hand, you know, the the talent pools probably are smaller even in the bigger counties. And you know, 
a Vicky Waller and Emma Duggan is a massive loss to a county, even a team with as the recent success of Meath. Um, what's your take on it? Um, yeah, I, I find it hard, and I'd say it's very hard for the girls that stay. And you know, you, you wouldn't begrudge any of the girls for going. Um, like ideally, if you could get them all to go when they're older, like uh, Breach and Breach Sack and Cora Stanton, you know, when they're yeah. at the latter end of their career, like you'd, you'd love to see them, you know, do it all while they were younger in the, in the LDFA and then head over. But um, look, it's becoming, I suppose, more and more appealing. Um, I think people just feel it's an opportunity that's too big to pass up. And I don't know if that's where you start maybe with the LGFA that you make it more appealing to stay here. I, I think... Um, I'm not sure the, the Kerry managers were kind of making the point that it's also a lot more appealing for David Clifford to stay here that maybe the draw of playing football elsewhere wouldn't be as big because maybe, you know, there's more perks being involved at the mm-hmm. higher end the men's game. And I don't know, I don't know how you do that in the ladies game, but uh, I mean, you know, and you've heard of people going and other per- people on the team being really disappointed to lose them because it may be a slightly different like you said because the pool is smaller but I, I know when I heard of some girls going at one stage you know girls within a panel were really disappointed and it was a big you know it was a big dent to morale nearly I suppose when they initially heard it and you know that's never good for the game and I, I'm sure it's the same despite what um what we might hear out of the camp like I'm sure that's a big blow to the Mead girls who are there and who may, maybe girls who feel that they wouldn't go because they want to give it all to Mead and you know, it leaves a lot of, I suppose, questions as well in terms of people's intent towards the county jersey and the pride and the love of it, you know. And, and you know, I think they're hard conversations for teams to have. I know if I was involved in the team that was successful and we wanted to build on it, I'd be bitterly disappointed to be losing girls like that, you know. And that's that's no disrespect to the girls who are going. You respect their decision and all that, but you would be bitterly disappointed. And you do feel if you have a bit of momentum, I suppose, to lose players like that. It is huge in ladies football, you know, I do think it is. And like I said, even in terms of the morale of the squad, people may think it's going to affect worse than it does. And even that alone maybe can rattle a team, you know. So I'm sure with all the talk coming out with me, it has to affect them. Although another part of me wonders if Eamon Ryan doesn't come out with something the week of a big game just to kind of deflect, you know. <laughs> yeah. It all came out was the week of the, the league final and now we're talking about Emma Troy heading off on a holiday and the management team heading off somewhere else, you know. So I don't know and if it is deflection for a place one because it works, because it does generate a conversation around other things. And also I kind of really enjoy the honesty of it all and it's just kind of carefree and kind of the way they played last year, you know, he just says it as he sees it and whether he just throws the bomb out to lead yeah. us off and see what conversation generates but, uh, with regards to the uh, AFL thing yeah look it, it's a problem for the LGFA because I think the more people who go and the more younger girls see it and see the opportunity the more who are want to, who will want to go yeah yeah it can snowball um just finally before I get your predictions then Emma uh, I was surprised I was kind of doing a bit of research earlier to find that this is only Maggie Farrelly's second All-Ireland final her first since since 2014 you know we kind of think because she's kind of she made that leap into the men's game that she would have been have been doing more finals um but like I, I guess will both teams be happy with her as an appointment from what I've seen of her she seems like a fairly um pragmatic referee I think it's a is a fair way of putting it I wouldn't you know she kind of she she does tend to let a game go as much as the rule book allows, doesn't she? Yeah, I think so. I'm I'm from Calvin myself, so I know Maggie quite well. Uh, from even just reference some of our games, uh, although she's more so doing the intercounty ones now, obviously. But uh, 
yeah, really good referee. Um, she'll, I suppose, let the game flow as much as she can. I don't think it's something that we've kind of put so much focus on in the ladies' game in the past years. Obviously, there's a lot of noise around um, who the referee is when they're appointed in, in the men's game, but it's probably something that goes a little more under the radar in the ladies' game. Um, but, yeah, I don't think either team will be thinking too much into that. Uh, obviously, there's a job to be done for both of them on Sunday. Um, and, you know, obviously, there is a lot of talk around physicality in ladies' football and, you know, it is pretty much a non-contact game as it stands, but please God, the game will be left low um, because we obviously want as good of a spectacle as we can. Um, you know, the most eyes will be on this day as it always is every single year. Um, so yeah, I, I'd, I'd imagine Maggie will have a, hopefully have a good game. Um, and yeah, we won't, be, we won't be talking about any uh, controversial refereeing decisions in the aftermath, but I don't want to put a, a hex on it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. was <laughs> I don't know if you remember that game. That was my last ever game for Dublin that I played when we were 10 points up against Cork with about oh gosh, yeah. 14 minutes to go. So that's the way I remember Maggie's last game. See, it was last referee she wouldn't game. be your favourite referee. <laughs> Oh, it was nothing to do with Maggie that day. But uh, that's my memory of the 2014 final, yeah. Yeah, no, so sorry for bringing it up then. Denise. That's all right. <laughs> um, I'll come to you first then, Emma. Um, neck on the black time, how do you see it going? Who's going to win? Oh, the worst time to do a podcast, isn't it? Um, I'm not hectic on the predictions, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I get them, sometimes I don't. But I think, I think Mead, um, I think they'll just have that little bit more down the home straight. Uh, I do think it'll be really tight and cagey early on. I think Kerry will really put it up to them. But I think Mead will just eke it out. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the way it's going to go, but that's what my head is telling me right now. Okay. And Denise? Yeah, like me, they're, they're strong favourites. And, um, you know, like I said, I was re really impressed with how they gritted out the performances. And you know, if they've timed this run, well, then I think we're going to get some performance for, from them. Um, I, I, I'm just finding it really, really hard to write off Kerry because I have to say probably my most enjoyable game this year was the Kerry-Armagh game. Uh, I just really enjoy the football. I love how they mix it, the long and the short. Um, I don't know. I think Kerry will be there, thereabouts down the end. And I'm not trying to be controversial, but I'm actually going to maybe tip them to win by a point, which I'll probably blow up in my face as well. But um, just speaking about the referee too, I think it's interesting this year. Mead have had a couple of sin bins just when we're talking about the physicality and that and their style of play. And I think that could impact. I mean, it didn't impact some of the sin bins the last day against Donegal, but I think that would impact them more against uh, uh, Kerry. Um, look, I'm kind of throwing a curveball there. Look, I think Mead have all the ammunition to win it. I just, you know, I don't know. I don't know why. I stick to it. the pound. Stick to your convictions, Denise. Stick okay, with Kerry. Go on. Go with yeah. Kerry. Right. Um, I'm a contrarian, so I, I knew I, I like I backed Galway to win the men's All Ireland from from before it started, and I almost pulled off the coup of the season. So I'm a contrarian. I do like an underdog, and um, I don't know. I find it very hard to back against a team with Louise Neymar hurting in the form she's in. So I, I, I'm bet, I'm betting on one player basically. So I'm going to go for Kerry. So that's that's two one in favour of the underdogs. <laughs> Emma will be laughing at us on Sunday evening now. So will be delighted as well. <laughs> yeah, 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 they'll be pinning this podcast to the dressing room door. Um, okay, thank you very much for joining us. Um, 
Emma and Denise, we will obviously have online coverage of this on the RT website, the RT News app. Be live on RT Radio 1 on Sunday Sport. And Denise and co will be on Sunday night with highlights on the Sunday game on RTE2. So you can follow it. And obviously it's live on TG Car, the clues in the name of the championship. Um, so we'll be back next week. Thank you very much for joining us. Good luck. Thank you. Good night. by winning the last two matches on the road and that's not going to be taken away from us. But what I love in Hurling, I love players that will never give in. He hits it! He hits it! Wow. It's over!